And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Yes, we are finally back and doing what we do. Well, so one of us is back and one of us is God knows where. Look at him. He's in a jail cell. Looks oh, like man. you got cement walls around you. What's up, my man? How you doing? I'm locked down in my hotel room. Locked <laughs> down. You're, I'm tra- on a, you're, you're trying to do that $6 million man shit. I'm on a 24-hour fast because I'm, I'm headed down to uh, CPI to get some stem cells done. So my buddy Scotty is the one organizing it. It's his facility down there. So we're going to try to get some work done. And, John, you're going to have to come down with me next time, buddy. Dude, I don't know. I don't, people shooting shit into me, they've done that long enough. I said I'm done. <laughs> Not doing anything else. No more surgeries. I am out. I, I mean, as quit. a cop, I would imagine people trying to shoot at you, not into you. I've had that. <laughs> I've had that. <laughs> oh man! So far, a good weekend, man. It was been uh, it's been fun. I haven't. Uh, I head down this morning down to CPI, and so uh, Forrest Griffin was just there. Um, Edson Barboza was just there. Chris Brennan was just there. Um, so they've had, they've had quite a few, uh, of the, of some of our top talent head down that way. So I'm looking forward to checking it out, man. I've got some, some injuries I want to get fixed up and, uh, get ready for my, my bare knuckle fight. Oh, <laughs> look at you going after Mike Perry, aren't you? You're going to go after no. Mike Perry. The oh, battle axe. I love when Eddie, Eddie Alvarez, he's a battle axe. You go. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just. Man, wow, what a fight. We'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, before we get started, guys, go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne and subscribe us over there. It is free. Also, go to WayneandMerch.com and hit that subscribe button down below. You guys, make sure you guys subscribe to our channel. Uh, we drop uh, content every, normally Sunday morning as early as we can, but as we're traveling, it's a little bit more difficult. So Sunday mornings, uh, today is obviously Monday, and we will drop again on Wednesday, so we will film again uh, probably in the next day or two. And I uh, give you guys some money. So at least twice a week, we try to drop content. When big news drops, we drop some more uh, throughout the week. But I just want to let you know, hit that subscribe button down below. Thank you guys for continuing to support us and follow us. If you guys have been a long listener, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button. Now, some of you guys have been getting away with just hitting our channel and never subscribing. So I'm calling you out. All right, so let's uh, yeah, let's make sure we hit that subscribe button, a little hit a little thumbs up. You can make those. You can make those call outs when you're getting fixed and you're going back into fighting. You know. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. How, we'll see after it all works. I, I got to do like a video log of all this stuff to make sure you do. Yeah, you got to you got to show how pathetic you are right now. Oh, it's gonna be. It's good. I mean, I've heard I, like so. Um, I'm doing a lot. I'm doing like quite a few things to my body. So I'm doing my right knee, my right wrist, my left shoulder, both my hips, and my neck. So now, question: yeah. Where are they getting the stem cells from? That is a question I'm going to have to ask them. Okay. You forgot to ask because I will tell you they took stem cells out of my hip when they did my neck yes. on, on the third surgery. And yeah. this is after – look, when I had my third surgery, I, I couldn't lift a freaking potato chip with one arm. My arm wouldn't go up. Mm-hmm. You know, And that didn't bother me. My hip bothered me. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell did they do to my hip? Because I had no idea they were doing it. And it was like, God damn, my hip hurts. Why is my hip hurt? Right? Oh, Oh, no, no, uh, Rockhold, I believe, got it done probably, I'd say, right after the Wyden fight, I believe it was. And uh, he got it done on his for his knee, but they took it out of his hip. Yep. And he's like, for, for two weeks, he could be he was struggling to like walk around. Yeah. 
It, I, it was it was fine once they told me because it was like okay I have a reason why my hip hurts no but yeah but before it was like how in the frick did I go into that room my my hip net wasn't hurt what they do stick my leg over my head or something I don't know craziness oh my goodness he's gone Dave he's gone we've lost the punk no no this is gonna be. <laughs> The recurrent trend of today's this film. This is what happens when you go to hotel rooms in places unknown that look like prison cells. But <laughs> so we're going to just continue on with this stuff because this is kind of what we get. Yep. But we did have two unbelievable. I will tell you, Dave, I know you went and we're going to talk about that because that is important. You actually went to the show in Austin, Texas, the UFC's show in Austin was one of the best cards as far as it was a good card we talked about it beforehand it was a great card on paper we looked and said you know what there's they got some great fights on here great matchups and man normally those things you know sometimes they'll deliver a little it delivered almost throughout every fight was freaking good if not great, they yep. had some phenomenal fights. And just, I mean, the two knockouts back to back, the slam knockouts, you're like, when in the hell do you see that? You know, and both actually the same way, picking the person up and going kind of sideways and dropping them on the side of them, watching their head bounce off of that canvas. And you could hear it. I don't know if you could hear it while you were there, but damn, with the, uh, on on tv they definitely let you hear it you go yep and that's and that's when you're refereeing that's exactly you hear that and you go oh and then why people are like why were you running because you heard it you knew i just heard a rock get dropped from 20 right. feet onto a hard surface what's up you're back i'm done talking oh man ah you're gonna do it it's okay we're gonna we're gonna have these moments and i'm just gonna start rambling going through it it's all good don't worry about it uh yeah i mean like like luke rockle had gone through it also and um <laughs> we moved on we moved way on from that uh, <laughs> all right good. well so what were you guys talking about tell me uh, we st- i actually started talking about the ufc's card and that the fact is you know you and i had said hey this was a this was a great card on paper there yeah. was some great fights and stuff and this is one that not only was it great on paper it <laughs> delivered yeah Almost all the fights were great. I know you were saying, ah, well, you know, they're kind of one-sided. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Those were some great fights because they were entertaining. The knockouts were freaking awesome. Some of them went on too long. We'll talk about uh. that stuff. You know, everything. <laughs> Dave loved it. Dave was sitting there saying, let it go longer. Let it go Gosh. longer. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, Dave actually fucking texted me, early stoppage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember which uh, one that was, but I I did feel that, that seemed like it. <laughs> it did seem like it. See, he's oh, a sadistic man. Scott. Oh, this guy, this guy. I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start calling Dave a Scott. Scott. Scott American, or a Scottican. We're gonna go Scottican. Um, I played golf at Pebble Beach on on Thursday. I know. I saw you, shit bird. Yeah. Just, no one likes I, you. I know. Do you know that? It's okay. Nobody. Bro. Nobody okay likes you. It. But the funny part was okay. we had we had a we had a Scottish caddy, so I I FaceTimed Dave. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's he saying? I was like, Dave, translate for me, buddy. He's like, uh, where oh, where was funny. he? Where was he from in relation to where you were from, Dave? Uh, probably about an hour ish away. Um, oh, from north, Air Scotland. Yeah, yeah, north. 
Yeah, air, air, like is an air, like like the air's yeah, thinner the up air, there. The air's yeah, thinner up there. But it's A Y R. A Y A Y R. Is it A Y R or A Y R E? Just A Y R. Okay. Do they even think they were, why have the e on the end when it doesn't really do you anything? No, oh, man. All right, all right. So you have, let's jump into the UFC card. You want let's to do right it. In? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We had Armand uh, Sarukian taking on Benil, and you know what, dude? It was funny because you know we had the whole thing incidents with the Bobby Green incident in the hotel and stuff, and you know there was people talking about could that distract him from what he was. You know, having to go in against someone as good as Benil, I don't think he was distracted, dude. I don't think he was distracted at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know what's what's funny is I was actually going to put out a video about how like this may end up affecting both their fights, both their performances. There's a lot on your mind when you're you're not focused on the person in front of you. You're more focused on, you know, outsider. Else. Yeah, and, you know what kind of threw me off a little bit was that Sharukian trying to get up to that next level, fighting someone who is you know in the top five. And you're worried about somebody who is you're leapfrogging, or you're you're basically like fighting someone higher level than him. Why are you even bothered with that? You're already winning in life. You're already you're already taking that next step. Get the job done, which he did. Get the job done. Oh, uh, he got the job done. Yeah, he got the job done. Um, and but I want do do we know what all this stuff stemmed from? No, I do not. I have not found out. I don't know exactly why there was the heat. And uh, I know that there was a, a point of contention as far as, you know, people talking about, you know, who should fight who and, you know, call outs and stuff. But no, I mean, Josh, if someone brings up your name that they want to fight you, yeah, you should look at that, in my opinion, hey, right on, let's go. That's a sign of respect. You want to fight me? You know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to point you out, I'm going to say, I want to fight Josh Thompson. I don't, I'm not saying I want to fight you because I hate you. I respect you. I respect your skills. And I think that, you know what? We could have a good fight. And I want to see if my skills are better than yours. That's not, there's no negative there, in my opinion. But sometimes yeah, it, guys do look at it as a negative. It is a little strange to me that you would go chasing after somebody who is not, who's not ranked on the same, like on the same level as you, or, not, or fighting to somebody, fighting somebody at the same level as which you're fighting somebody. Like you're fighting someone that's in that top three, top five, that's going to catapult your career. Focus on that one thing. But I mean, look, ultimately he got the job done. I mean, I know that I had mentioned last week, I said, you know, he's got some power here and there and I have read some of the comments. Who is he knocked out? Who is he finished? What a, I'm like, well, obviously he's got power. So, um, you know, I look, the way he throws things, the way he loads up on things, but the way he did it that night, where he threw uh, the knee, the knee wasn't even down yet. It was almost like no, a foot, ne uh, foot never man. touched the ground, so there was no power coming from that foot. Yeah, it was almost like a Superman punch. Yeah. So he threw the knee up. It was then all off the left used, leg. Yeah, he used that momentum to kind of rock his body forward. Benil just didn't see it coming. And yeah. it was lights out. Jumped on top of him, got out of, got him out of there. I mean, I wish there was more we could talk about in terms of that fight, but there's not much that happened. It was less that was what happened. Fight. You know, it was, it was what, 58 seconds, something like yeah, that. Yeah, one minute in, I mean, you're taking yeah. a look. There's nothing that truly happened. But the real question you got to look at and, and be honest with is, this is two in a row for Benil. Mm -hmm. Is it that at 34? Because it's that's not when you would start to take a look and say. No, it's not. He's, he's, you know, he's reached that peak and he's starting to slow. 34 is usually your prime. He's in his prime years, you know. Two in a row, are we seeing the decline of Benil, or is it just, you know what, 
two times unlucky and and just got to pick it up and get back to the drawing board and, and go back and do it again. Yep. So I'm gonna have to answer that question myself now. <laughs> Josh just left me once again. But the truth is, at 34, it shouldn't be. But when you're fighting the top people in the goddamn, you know, weight class, it can happen. And it can happen at any time. You make one little error, you see something a little bit off that you think, oh, my opponent's going for this. He's throwing the knee. I step out of it, and you don't see, like Josh said, you don't see that right hand coming. And it hits you clean. If something hits you on the button, I don't care who you are, you're going to end up going out. You know, it's when you get hit by something solid, but it's not on the button, you can survive it. But when it hits and all of a sudden it's the neurons, they just separate. And as soon as they separate, if if hitting the ground doesn't kind of bring them back together, mm -hmm. you're in trouble. And he hit the ground. He was there, but he really wasn't. And Sarukian just finished him off and stuff. And it was, you know, a great performance, if you're going to say it, you know, quick by Armand Sarukian. He proved that he does have some power. He proved that, you know what, he can go in there and put people away with knockouts, not just with his wrestling and ground and pound. The guy's got the full game. And that's the one thing when you're looking at Sarukian in this weight class, you know, everybody if you're going to take on the top people and when you're looking at the top people, you got to be saying, all right, obviously we got Islam Makhachev, the champion, right? Charles Oliveira is right there at the top. Justin Gaethje, you got Dustin Poirier, and now you've got Sarukin because he's going to, Sarukin is definitely going to pass. I don't, I don't know if they're going to put Chandler ahead of him. They shouldn't. Sarukin should definitely be, I would say number four right now. But if you take a look at everybody in that upper class there, there's only one that you can look at and kind of say, oh, he doesn't have the full armament. And that would be Justin Gaethje, but he doesn't need it because of the way he fights. It's his style. He forces his style. And when someone can take him out of that, you see he's had some losses based upon, you know, like Charles Oliveira getting the submission and stuff. But Sarukian has phenomenal wrestling. Obviously, he's got power, and his stand-up is getting better and better, and he's, got, he's more confident in his stand-up. And he's also got a submission game. Now, it's not the submission game of Charles Oliveira, but he can pull off submissions, and we see him looking and setting up those submissions and stuff. So as one of those top guys in the top, I, I'd put him at number four now. You take a look at you know Poirier, he matches up well with. He matches up well with Gus, Justin Gaethje. He matches up well with Oliver, and he matches up well with Makachev. Those guys are unique in how good they are at everything. Yeah, when I'm looking at when I'm looking at <clears throat> Justin Gaethje, he's gonna he's gonna have to utilize his wrestling quite a bit to slow that pace down. Um, you know, with Charles Oliveira, there's a submission threat that is there for him if he utilizes wrestling. But Charles has been known to get clipped and dropped quite a bit. Can he take the shot that he just delivered against Benil Dariush? And can he take multiples of those? Because he, Charles has been known to get hit. Like, that's his MO is I get hit, I get dropped, I come back and fuck you up. That's his old thing, you know? And so when I look at those two fights, the fight that most interests me right now is obviously the Dustin Poirier fight. Yeah. They, because he's sitting on the sideline going, okay, where's the new talent for me to go ahead and wreck so I can try to get another title shot? That's kind of where he's at right now. He's And you've got other two guys that Charles. Dana White wants Charles to get that title shot, that rematch against uh, Islam, which okay. 
you know, and then also the Justin Gaethje fight is already lined up there. Justin said he's not fighting again unless he gets that title shot, which is his next fight. This is his last run. He's like, look, after this, I'm going to fight this fight. And who knows if he'll stick around. I think he's somebody that he's taken so much damage in his career. He's delivered a lot of damage, but he's taken so much damage in his career. He's going to start either picking and choosing the fights that excite him or he's going to walk away. I think that's where Justin Gaethje's at. Um, Dustin, I think, is just he's lingering right there going, OK, look, I want to get I want to make another run at the title, but I want the fights to make sense. I think that the Sarukian fight makes perfect sense. Look, that gives that that gives me my one fight that I need to beat the new up and comer who just beat Benil Dariush, and then I wait for the dust to settle between Justin and Charles and whoever fights Islam next. He then Dustin will probably fight sometime around May or June for the uh, after Ramadan to try and fight the winner. I think they're going to try to give Justin Gaethje probably one more fight. I don't know if he'll take it or not. But you've got Charles in line next, then you got Justin, and then the winner of probably um, Sarukian and Justin Gage and Dustin Gage and Dustin Poirier. <laughs> yeah, if you but if you look at the matchup wise, first off, Charles has fought Islam. Armin has fought Islam. Now that was long mm-hmm. ago, but you know, both yeah. younger fighters. That was his that was his debut fight. Yeah, exactly. But it was you know that's what I'm saying. And we're talking five years ago, but yeah. he's fought him. Dustin has not fought against Islam, and Justin hasn't. So it's the Justin and Dustin. They have not been in that cage against Islam. So they, in my opinion, being above Saruki and stuff, they have the call. They have that little bit, and it's the one that the UFC is looking at. Like you're saying, I'll give you that last shot. I'll give you that last attempt at that title. So I yeah. do see them getting it before Saruki. But you could be honest and say, if they wanted to put Sarukian against Islam Makhachev, that might actually be the mm. most competitive contest there is for the champ. Yep. Yeah, because of the styles. Yeah. The styles in which <clears throat> Sarukian will be able to wrestle with him. Sarukian will be able to get him down. I don't know if he'll be able to hold him down. Um, well, he, he was able, able to take him down, down in their first fight. Yep. No, he was. He was. Um, but then also the things that have changed since their first fight. The amount of time you have to rehydrate has changed. And so, since their first fight, really, I'm, I'm, I don't you know. I'm negative, I, I, negative, I, I, Nancy. Yeah. Negative, yes. Nancy. No, yes. wrong, wrong. <laughs> I believe it's true. Okay, do me I a favor. Oh, what, what was the year of that fight? Oh, you know what? You know what? Hey, oh, hey no, 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 no. I, I think actually because it started when I was still in the UFC when they. That's started right. It was. It, it started at UFC 199 in California. That was the first time we had that. Uh oh! Now you've been caught. Now no, the it, trouble. It, it was it was it was about that time because I was I had already left the UFC, and it was around that time. So Saruki was right the, there at oh yeah twenty nineteen. Oh please, long. I had already retired. <laughs> I retired with. So that were, were, they, were they allowed to do that weight? Yes. Weight cutting. Yes. They were already allowed to hydrate. Yes. Absolutely. Was it done in the UFC or was it just done in California? No, it started. They started doing that. California is the one that started it, but the UFC mm-hmm. picked it up and, and took it everywhere with them. Hey, we wanted. When this. did they take? So did they take it right when they right started from it? that one ninety nine. Yeah. Yep. But when did he? When did he fight Sarukian? I'm sorry. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. 2019. Yeah. 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 I know, but what was the what was the fight? What was the like the UFC? T- it was a fight night. It was a fight night. It was right before UFC 242. Oh, okay, so like 40 fights later. Yeah, definitely was being used. 
So, yeah, that's only that's only half a year, by the way. Half a year, <laughs> not forty fights. Hold on, when you talk about the UFC and you're looking at those numbers, uh, those yeah, go yeah, by yeah. twelve at a time. Paper twelve a year, yeah. Sometimes thirteen, right? Sometimes thirteen. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 So then I was off by what? Two years? A little over two years? <laughs> More than that? Three years? But that's okay. I like it. It's still good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I look at, but I'm still looking at. I'm looking at uh, Islam and Sarukian as being like, like you said, probably the most evenly matched fight. I do think so. He's got, and he's still young. And if you're, if you're the UFC, you're like, hey. Well, I know. I know. We still have young guys that are there. You know, you've, you've got Islam's not old. No, no, no. Your champion no. is fine, and this yeah. is a part of what you you talk about. It. You go if you're the UFC. I love the situation I'm in because if I truly look and I go, if I bring Justin Gaethje, who I love as a fighter, I mean, and, I, and you're saying he might just walk away. I don't think he can. I don't think that's in Justin. <laughs> He's the, mm. he lives off of this. He absolutely is in the gym all the time. It's part of who he is. It's going to take a damn excavator to pull Justin Gaethje away from fighting. But I look at him and against Islam, it's going to be it's going to be the same thing as what he faced against Habib. It's going to be the same kind of style of fight. But the fact of Islam's actually cleaner in the stand up than Habib is. He's a he's a better technician in the stand-up, and he comes at him in a southpaw stance that's a little bit different. There's some advantages there that Habib didn't have. So I look at obviously I Dustin Poirier is phenomenal. And he could beat anybody on that given night, but it's going to be a tough fight for him. Again, same thing with Habib. They both have been mm-hmm. there. And so you can kind of look at the what happened in those fights. But man, I'll tell you what. If you're the UFC and you're looking, I have a young champion and I have a young stud of a contender here in Sarukian. Life's good for you, man. You're, I, I don't care which way this rides. If it rides with, you know what, Islam keeping that title, great. If it rides with Sarukian coming in and taking it, I'm good yeah. either way. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm looking... Like, <clears throat> Outside of Sarukian, who else is in that? Dave, I, I can't see it, but can you pull it up and John maybe take a look at it? Who in that 155-pound division? Because what you got to do is you have to reinvigorate that 155-pound division. You've got Michael Chandler at like five or six. I know. I get it. But that's a fun fight. Why not Chandler and Sarukian? That, to me, no, is No, that's a great a fight. fight. That's a great fight. But, you, you know, but um, you've got Michael Chandler sitting out there, you know, you know, waiting on and standing by for the, the Conor McGregor fight. What would he take? If if you're, let's be honest. If you're Chandler, would you? They come to you and say, "Hey, you know, we're not sure about when this Connor fights. How about we, we want you to fight Armand Sarukian?" <laughs> you gonna say, "Yeah, I'll wait." <laughs> yeah, if you were smart. That's what you would say. Well, hey. You're smart. Um, but I mean, hey, look, Dana's been known in, in Chandler in his history, even still with Bellator and with his uh, with the UFC. He's been known to be a company guy. Oh, he's, he's a company a little, guy. No doubt about it. He's been a little hard to deal with at times with the Bellator, especially towards the end. He was getting a little more difficult to deal with. But he, he's still a company guy. He yeah. still would go out there and make it happen, you know? And uh, he never let his, his uh, like, promotional arguments with between whatever promotion, mass break, whatever it was, get, it, get in the way of the way that he fought. You know, he still went out there, delivered it. He still did what he had to do. So when I'm looking, I look at him and I think of, 
him and uh, him and Saruki would be a barn burner of a fight. I think would. it'd be a fantastic fight. Yep, I agree. The wrestling would be involved, the striking would be involved, all of those things would be involved. Be a great striking fight. would be involved. You're absolutely right. He has done it to us again, and so we're just gonna move on from this. But the Benil Darius against uh Benil, uh Benil, I'm sorry, Benil Darius against Saruki fight, it really didn't show us a whole lot other than Sarukian is that guy. He has reached that level. And you can just expect you know, amazing things from him. Then we had Bobby Green taking on a last-minute replacement in Jalen Turner. Bobby Green was supposed to take on Dan Hooker. He wasn't able to take on Dan Hooker because Dan Hooker came up with a broken arm. And uh, obviously, you know, he trains very hard. But don't get, don't let people be breaking your arms. It's bad. He, it, it actually broke over the plate and stuff, and it happens all the time when people think that getting a plate and screws put in is going to make you stronger, better. You know, it, it usually causes problems for the fighters through, through most of the career that that plate is still in there. But Jalen Turner coming in against Bobby Green, and this was a, the battle of the Inland Empire. Both guys come out of the Inland Empire. Uh, Jalen Turner has been training down at the Ultimate Training Center with uh, Tiki, Paul Herrera, uh, Juan Archuleta, all those guys that are out of there. Great team, great coaching. And he's just a freak when you look at the lightweight division at six foot three. I mean, that is so tall. And he's got a 77 inch you know, reach that's super long, super difficult to, to handle. You saw Bobby Green was jumping in and he was getting his moments to come in. You know, there was the talk back and forth. But when he got hit and went down, you could almost have said at that moment, that fight could have been stopped. And I want to say it was like at 223 on the clock when he when he got hit. And I understand why the referee, Kerry Hatley, did not stop it at that point. And I'm going to say right now, Kerry Hatley is my friend. I love him. He's a great referee. He's a great person. It wasn't his night in making this call. And that just happens. And it's unfortunate. And it's something he doesn't want. But the first person that would tell you that it wasn't a great, you know, wasn't a great job would be Kerry Hatley himself. He'd be honest about it and say, I made a mistake. I didn't see it. And what happens is you will sometimes, Josh, you know, we're, we're talking about Jalen Turner and that knockout. Sometimes when you're the referee, I mean, this is what I call, I call it, you know, you get micro, you, you get focused in. We call it tunnel vision. And you you start looking at the micro instead of the macro. And the macro is you want to look at everything. And it becomes that you start to focus and tunnel in on one thing that you don't see everything. And everyone around you sees it because they're seeing everything and you're the one that's not. And I, that's what happened here. He started to tunnel in on what Bobby was doing with his hands in trying to cover up and seeing, does, you know, is he trying to get himself out? I want to give him as much chance as I can. And he wasn't seeing the the severity of the shots that Bobby was taking because Jalen was unloading on him. I'm being honest. At a certain point, I jumped up from my chair and said, stop the goddamn fight because it was that bad. And, you know, it got to the point where Bobby went out and he still took a couple of shots. And he took two was, more after that. After he yeah. went out, he was a number yeah. two. Absolutely. You know, John. Go ahead. Hadley's a good, he's a good ref. He's a great referee. He's been doing he, it a long time, man. He's a mainstay. Yeah, in Texas, and now he's been he's been refing everywhere, and he deserves to because he's good. 
And he, he's a, he, and and this is the this is the problem that I somewhat have um, with some things. With, with, and I'm going to go with sometimes the commentator the commentator booth. Okay. Is is um, I love the guys that work for the UFC. I love the guys that work for the PFL, and I loved our crew that you know we had with Bellator and everyone. But <clears throat> they need to spend more time, like getting to know the referees, getting to know the judges, getting. I'm and the reason why I'm saying that is because. Then there's a dialogue and an open conversation between you and them when you guys pass each other in the hall. Not like, right. oh, hey, you're just a fan, or no, just like, hey, you know, you guys, you guys have ref my fights when I was in there, and you know, the refs, of course, they're fans, they're fans of the fighters. You know, it's nothing, it's nothing personal. But have this conver- start having conversations with them because every time I turn the fucking TV on, it's a, uh, oh, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know. Look, mistakes can be made. And yeah, there's but, been times, but, but they ahead. can also be made by the commentators when they don't know why. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I just, I feel like there needs to be a, there needs to be a little bit more of a relationship between the two. I think with the UFC and their, their referees and their judges, whatever it is, because if you don't know them, it's easy to talk. It's easy to be like, Oh, that was the worst decision ever. The problem yeah. is, is the, the, the hype, not the hype. I shouldn't even say that. The the causes issues, the confusion. That's what I'm looking for. The confusion was when the when the commentary starts to say, "Oh, I had it scored this way. I had it scored that way." That's what ends up getting out there and causing problems with them amongst the media, amongst the fighters. And then next thing you know, people are being scrutinized for things that were like, if it was a close fight, it was a close fight. Yeah, oh, close. I thought it was a robbery. Which, like I've said this for, I don't know, you and I both have said this, but stop using that term robbery, you know, and, and those type of things. That's just a lead into what this type of thing is. Like this was a, this was a mistake. Yep. Hatley said it was a mistake. I messed up. You know, um, it's it can be seen. Um, and look, and I love Mike Beltran. Mike Beltran with the early stoppage last week or two weeks ago. Yep. You know, um, you know, it, it happens. And then Mike Beltran, he had another stoppage back in the day with in Hawaii. In the in the uh, Juliana Velasquez fight, um, I guess what I'm saying is, we only think about the one time we were in the cage and we fought, and that's the one fight. Well, the refs go back out there for you know three to four more times in one night, and then, and I don't know if they're still doing it, but you know, then they turn around, they fly to L.A. and they do another show, you know, oh, the yeah. next night, and they do another six, seven show fights that night. Sometimes maybe more, sometimes maybe less. I mean, if you were a ref for Bellator, you had 22, fight, 22 fights on one card. You know, you were doing eight, nine fights. That's right. And by the time you got to the main event, you were a little tired. Yeah, <laughs> you can going, be. All right. So um, there's just there's a lot there's a lot on the plate. I like that Hatley came out right away and said, look, you know, hey, I messed up. It was a mistake, you know, and this and that. Hey, look, move on. That's all this That's goes. All you, and here, here's the, the, the big thing is people are like, whoa, it's not enough. What do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? All he, all he can do is be a man and say, yeah. hey, I looked at it. I screwed up. Or I know I made a mistake. And yeah. I talk, you know, in talking to guys all the time, I'll sit there and I'll tell them, hey, take a look at what you did. Figure out where you made the mistake. Fix it. When I mean fix it, make sure you don't do that same thing again in the next one. And you got to move on. Yeah. And, and, the, and what, like what you're saying is, see, we, the worst stoppage in history. It's not even close, and it was not good. But it's not close. 
okay? And people have short memories about things that have happened in our sport as far as worse stoppages, okay? And so, you know, they use these things like, oh, you know, look, if you can't remember the worst stoppage, then don't claim that this is yeah, or it's part of because there's too many out there where you can go, oh, yeah, that one's worse. Yeah, that one's worse. Oh, this one's way worse. And it's it's a bad stoppage. It could have been way better. He made the mistake. He ag- admitted to it. And once he admits to it, what more do you want from him? You, that's all he can do is say, man, I made the mistake. I'm going to fix that and move on. Because, you know, Kerry has had some of the best damn fights. Remember Diego Sanchez against uh, Gil Melendez? Yeah. What a barn burner. Guess whose referee was that fight? Ah, Kerry, I, I was Kerry there Hadley. sitting second row commentating, okay. doing, doing case side commentary for it. Yeah, Kerry Hadley. And Kerry has had some phenomenal fights. And he's had ones that people have looked at, you know, Ryan Bader getting knocked out by Nemkov. And a lot of people were like, oh, no, he actually did a really great job of in that fight. Bader was trying to move. And so he Mm -hmm. let him go. And a lot of people would have stopped. And you go, look, Kerry Hadley knows what the fuck he's doing. He is a good referee. He made the mistake of that tunnel vision made him not see the entire package and it happens it's part of you know being human and it can happen to anyone i don't care how many fights you've done you you teach yourself not to do it as much as you can but it can happen and it happened in that fight and jalen turner should be the focus of that fight not the stoppage the focus of jalen turner just took out a really good fighter in bobby green and did it fairly easily yeah yeah, I figured that it would be the reach and the speed of of, um, of Jalen. Because if you got if you're equally in speed with Bobby Green, and you got the reach advantage over him, you're able to touch him a little bit sooner. And he was just able to clip very nice, clean, nice exchange right to the top position. Uh, the way he w- jumped onto the back, got the hooks, flattened him out, still utilizing his grappling while trying to do damage. I thought he just he fought a very very smart fight. I think a lot of the topics should be though is that he took the fight on short uh, on short notice. That was one. Made weight. Two, made weight. That's two, hello. That's Three was he got mafiaed into this. He, <laughs> I mean, he basically good said, point. He did. His, there's a lot that goes through your. I'm sorry, but there's a lot that goes through your mind when your yeah. promotion's telling you you need to take this fight. Yep. You're not just thinking. You're not just thinking like. Well, it's, okay, it's look, not, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fight this fight. I mean, yeah, it's not one of those. Thinking, well, should I, I take lose, it? You know, I'm going to match up. What? It's like, oh, they're telling me I, I really have to take it, and that's it. It's the toughest thing there is when you're put in that position of oh, I've got to take this fight. Really, <sighs> can I get all the things done that I need to get done in this short amount of time? And he did that, and you got to give. Jalen Turner, nothing but credit. He, I mean, the fact when he made weight, I was like, because this is something for a guy his size to make weight on that shorter notice, man, fantastic job. That was not easy. And you're not going to get a ton of credit for it, but you deserve credit for making weight. And then to come out and put on the performance, the real question was, would, if that fight had gone longer, would that weight cut have affected you? Who knows? Who cares? It doesn't matter. You got the big win, and you deserved it. Great win by Jalen Turner. Then we had Devinson Figueredo against Rob Font. I'll tell you what. Devinson Figueredo fought the smartest fight other than the one that he had against Brandon Moreno. I want to say it was the third one he fought very 
He fought smart, and mm -hmm. I, was, I was very impressed with the way he fought against Rob Font. Rob did a lot of good things, especially getting up off of the ground like we talked about. He's way better off of yeah. you know, getting off of his back than people give him credit for. He showed that. Figueredo was able to take him down. But Figueredo's power was an equalizer in this. He brought that power up, and that's a real question. When you're a 125er and you've got that snap, is it going to follow you into the bigger guys? And I wasn't sure that it wasn't. It absolutely followed him up, and it, it was a difference maker in this matchup. When we had talked last week, I said, you know, the way he mixes up the, after training with Henderson, the way he'll mix up his striking, mix it with his wrestling, if he can utilize the speed, being the smaller guy, utilizing his speed to take advantage of Rob Font that way in terms of getting in deep enough to finish the takedowns. We both talked about how would he be able to hold him down. He wasn't quite able to hold him down in a lot of positions. Rob was good at getting back to his feet. Great job. But I didn't realize, even though Figgy's like a big 125-pounder, he's not going to be a big 135-pounder. When I was looking, I saw him at the weigh-ins, I was like, oh, holy shit, you're tiny. You're not a big guy. <laughs> you know, and uh, but uh, this, it's definitely going to be the speed, his aggressiveness, his ability to mix things up, the striking to the to the wrestling, and that top control. If he can able to to maintain the top control, he he could be a wreck. He could be a, he could be someone to, to deal with in that one thirty five pound division. Well, it's another, you just look at it. It's another body that you go one thirty five. Just got another body in there that can cause problems for a lot of people. So yeah. I thought he looked great. Big win. That was very nicely done. Sean Brady against Kelvin Gastelum. God damn, dude. You want to talk about, oh, he's coming off his first loss. Where's his mindset? All those things. Sean Brady just put an exclamation yeah. point against, again, I, I, I'll i say it, I love Kelvin Gastelum. I think he's a tremendous fighter. Sean Brady made him look just average. Yeah. He dominated every part of that fight. There was not one moment of that fight that Sean Brady didn't win. He seemed, he no. seemed clear on the striking. He seemed uh, he did a little bit of what Figgy did, mixed it up really well from the striking to the wrestling. John, I looked away at the beginning of almost every for every round for the first like probably thirty seconds. When I turned back, he was already on his back. Yeah. I was like, and he did it easy. Yeah, yeah. And so when I when I when I looked at this fight coming in, I'm like. Oh, Calvin Gaslam's going to sprawl and brawl, keep it on the feet, use his aggressiveness Try. on the feet. Yeah. You know, he's going to be able to stick and move a lot more, use his lateral movement, make it confusing for, for uh, you know, for Sean Brady. Sean's like, nah, I'm going to just kind of walk you down, put my straight punches in your face, and when I lock my hands, you're going for a ride. And just top control, just dominant position, great finish at the end, the way he slowly and methodically worked his way there, attacked the arm, got the finish. I mean, just yeah, you know, a lot of people forget how good Sean Brady is on the ground because oh. you know people. I heard a public, well, I thought Kelvin Gaston, dude, Sean Brady on the ground is freaking solid, and I mean, we're talking about a base. This is a guy that went against you know Craig Jones, and not that he, not that he, you know, was able to you know, submit Craig Jones, but he was able to control yeah. it the entire time, and that was exactly what you saw. Kelvin had no ability to move anything in there. It was just, just crushed. Yeah. Beautiful job by Brady. It's so funny. Joaquin Silva. Did, did, oh, okay. did you sorry, see that uh, Bilal Muhammad put out? He's like, oh, on Twitter. He's like, oh, I thought I thought all you guys said Sean Brady sucked, huh? Yeah. No, Sean Brady. Sean Brady's the man. Dude. Sean Brady's he, a, he's stud. a stud. He's a stud. a stud. And Kelvin Gaslam's a stud.
And uh, yep. and I gotta be honest, even and, though he even though he got dominated in that fight, he looked physically he looked good. He had the energy, you know, trying to keep trying to escape. He just wasn't able to get away. He looks good at 170. He looked like he did. He looked good. I dude, before the fight I put out, I said Kelvin looks really yeah. good. You know, he looked like he was in shape. He looked like he was he was you know feeling good. He didn't look sucked out. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I texted it to you, and I was like, you know, he looks good. You know, that was before the fight started, yeah. and then it, there, there was no other things coming his way because it just wasn't his night. But Joaquin Silva against Clay Guida, actually, it was a good fight. Clay Guida fought his yeah, ass he did. off, and he, he just went out there, you know, trying. It's just Joaquin Silva is huge for the weight class, and he throws very heavy shots. He's got a beautiful uh, uppercut, the straight hand. He's got power. And so to get through that power is not an easy thing. When you're Clay Guida, you've got to, you know, come in and, and figure out when's that timing and stuff. I thought that uh, I thought that Silva won the first round. I thought Clay came back and won that second round. And then I thought, you know, Silva obviously won the third. Yeah. So he, he got the he got the unanimous decision at 29-28. He deserved mm-hmm. it. It was a really nice win for him against a guy that is an absolute, you know, legend in the sport as far as how many times he's fought, who he's yeah. fought, all these things. <clears throat> The guys remarkable. It's the way he fought, you know, throughout his career. I mean, I, I like to, I guess I've said this, I don't know how many times, but I mean, Clay Guido owes me a lot for his career. I got to be honest, man. He owes me a lot. So, <laughs> um, you know, look, he, he was, he was a wreck to deal with when I fought him. Just the aggressiveness, the pace in which he fights, the bouncing out, a little bit of that twitchiness, you know, that, that key jarting and twitchiness kind of fighting, fighting style. It's hard to deal with, and the speed in which he shoots his takedowns when he was younger. Um, as he gets older, the takedowns are still there. They're just not. They're not as plentiful. He's not someone, you know. In that in that fight, this fight, he would have shot a lot more in the third round uh, if he was a little bit younger. You could tell that he starts to slow down in that third round. And even though he's got a gas tank, it's still at that age, forty-one years old. It's. I can't imagine. It's not easy at thirty-nine. I was struggling to get through a full hard three rounds. You know. Uh, five minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever it was. Um, he's he's uh he's he's got a gas tank. He's, he still has some some pop in his punches. He's still got the wrestling there. He just doesn't have it's the age. It's the age is getting him really. But it, I had a one. I had a one one going into the third. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good fight. Good job. Same here. Same good here. Good job. Yeah. Dustin Stolfus against Punalehi Soriano. I tell you, what, I I was shocked. I thought I thought this was going to be Soriano's mm-hmm. fight. I thought in, in watching. Dustin, throughout his career, he's he's a good wrestler, but doesn't do well when he starts getting hit with big mm-hmm. shots. And I know that Punalehi has just got power. And it kind of started out that way, but as soon as Stolfus was able to get that first takedown, things started to shift, and he got the, the submission for mm-hmm. with a rear naked choke. An unbelievable win for him as far as this is what he needed for his confidence, to come up against a guy that... And he even said, he goes, look, at, I knew, you know, coming in, he goes, I was scared of his power, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's okay to admit, you know, because, you, hey, it's, you know, this guy's got, went out there, did exactly what he was supposed to do, shot the takedowns at the right time, controlled the position, got the, the submission, big time win for Stolfo. Yeah, but John, like when you're fighting somebody um, like uh, Soriano, like, you know, that they're going to fall in love with their power. And yeah. they're being told you're the hardest hitter I've ever I've ever held mitts for. You're the you're the hardest hitter I've ever sparred. 
you've got so much power. And then he went out there and everything he did was one, one, two, one, one, two. You've got to set it up. You've got to work the jab. You've yeah. got to lower the levels. You've got to lower your levels, come back up with shots. You've got to leave with the left hook, come back with the right. You've got to do all those things. you got to touch. Yeah. Just touch. Like, like that's. I go back to the Nate Diaz, um, the way him and Nick fight. It's they touch, 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 touch. And then as soon as they see that they've touched you a little bit, where you're affected by it, power. then they throw the power. Because they don't. everyone yep. talked about them just slapping fights, slap fight, slap fight, slap fight. But no, they've got power when they want it. Being that, using that yeah. reach, getting you at the end of the punch. They know how to turn their punches over. And um, with Soriano, though, he just, you could tell a little bit of that Gray Maynard-ish where he fell in love with the yeah. power. And it's a good call. You know, and, and, and next thing you know, it's like they're, they're not utilizing all the tools. They are good, well-rounded fighters. They just don't utilize all the weapons that got them where they're at right now. And so hopefully yeah. this is a lesson learned. Um, you know, it just goes back to just touching people because – when you've got that kind of power, John, you just got to touch them and they go to sleep. That's it. You know? And it's just that's, that's, a, that's what it's all about. No one. One of the ones I throw, even though I don't think I throw it hard, it's going to touch him. He's going to go to sleep. And that's what you got to do. I'm letting you take the next one. No, I'm not because you're gone again. So we're just going to forget about the punk. He's gone. He's going to Mexico to get all this stem cell treatment. It's over. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. <laughs> the punk is gone. <laughs> So I'm going to go through it. Misha Tate took on Julia Avila. Man, Misha just dominated this and, and used a smart game plan. Look, I'm way better on the ground. Dominated her. It was a 10-8 round in the first round, no doubt about it, and ended up getting a, a beautiful submission, face crank submission. Look, this was a big win for Misha as far as just confidence. She goes in. I'm and, back. You know, the, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing with – the confidence that, you know, when you're losing fights and what it does and how it, it puts you in that position, you know, Misha came out, just dominated every, every bit of that fight. I know you were happy with it because you're a big Misha Tate <laughs> fan. She looked great. She looked great. You know, and there was not one point in that fight where it looked like she had any problem. John, she is fighting on borrowed time. She, and she, okay. and she's just, she loves it. She loves it. Like there's, yeah. there's, there's no, she has two beautiful children. She's married. She's happy. They, like, just there's there's no there's no problems in her life. This is all an added bonus. I'm enjoying my life, doing what I love. She's training. She's keeping her body in shape. She's taking care of herself. Her kids are along for the ride. I mean, I gotta be honest, man. I wish I had kids younger because they could have enjoyed a lot of the ride with you. But it's like, it's it's one of those things. Like, it's she's taking time away to have a family. Come back. This is all borrowed time. She's just she's able to make a lot of money fight do what she loves and like i said she's taking care of her body health wise which is gonna it's gonna make her it's gonna ha hopefully have her live longer you know and spend more time with her family you know how important that is it's you know it's true so, it's good true. for her i'm happy for her dominant performance cody brundage against zachary reese zachary reese coming in with a lot of you know hype off of the dana white contender series winning everything cody brundage it's kind of that guy that we in the gym Everyone knows Cody Brundage is a stud. Yeah. Everyone knows the skill set he's got. Everyone knows how difficult he is to train with. Everyone goes, man, this guy is fucking good. And then the bright lights <clears throat> end up causing a malfunction in everything that he does inside the cage. Well, this time he almost got caught. He used the slam and put Zachary Reese to sleep. And it was the second one in a row because the one before with Jakar close against Joe Salicki. Joe Salicki was all over Jakar. 
until that slam again off of it. Two knockouts in a row by someone going for the arm bar and then slamming their way out of it. Incredible. I think I think it was the uh, Jakar Close one that, that Dave texted us on saying, oh, early stoppage. Um, but but I think what it com- what comes down to is that those are positions in the gym, which o- which only goes to show you what a sick individual no, Dave is. It was the podcast, Dave. Oh, was it our guy? Early stoppage. Was it was a Brundage? Because the the Dracar close one was a clear slam and knockout. Yeah. That was like clear and concise. But the one above, like the Zachary Reese, was like kind of turned he was on. Unconscious, it. He was, dude. Yeah, yeah. No. But but uh, no. Yeah, by the time he stopped it, he was. By the time he stopped, <laughs> well, then how was it an early stoppage? John, John, <laughs> podcast Dave was saying, Bobby Green, right. take more, take more. <laughs> he was. Hey, no, dude. You want to you want to talk about the guy the evil side? Oh, We've got podcast yeah, name, man. It's, it's straight up, man. Um, no, I I agree. Like uh, these are things though in the gym that we don't. These are like your coach will tell you, don't pick them up and slam them because yeah, you end up in a tighter armbar, you end up in a tighter triangle, whatever it is. But look, last last ditch efforts, they're there. But I just I feel like the. When you have these chances to to land them a certain way, I'm surprised that more people don't slam people's heads against the cage more. We used, we used to practice all that all the time at my gym. Was hey, if you're gonna pick someone up and slam, we don't bring them down flat on their back. We bring them to the side mm-hmm. because their head it's difficult for you to hold, and your head's gonna hit the canvas every time. You can take and tuck your chin up, and as my back can take, my shoulders mm-hmm. can take a lot of the blow. But man, to the side, your your body kind of compresses in your shoulder as because your arms are extended on that. It doesn't allow your head any position. It's gonna hit. It doesn't mean that it's gonna put you out, but it's definitely gonna put you in a position that's hard for you to hold on to that. Got arm. it. Got it. So yeah, we used to practice it. <sighs> yeah, I, we just we were always. I mean, I always told them, don't ever, you know, don't ever pick them up and slam because it's gonna make this mission tighter. It's gonna make the, the triangle tighter. It's all those things. The only time I would tell like people in the triangles, let it go once you get past waist level. Just let it go. Oh yeah, yeah. And, if you get elevated to the point now, you're up in Quentin Rampage yeah, versus Arona Arona style. <laughs> you let go of your legs yeah. and just fall to your feet yeah. and stand up and start throwing hands because you're gonna end up being hurt. Oh, yeah. There's too much, too much. <laughs> velocity coming down gravity is working against you and it's a hard su- you know substance yeah all the time yeah. yep. uh johnny more fights on here you want to chat about no I, all of them look they're all good veronica hardy looked great in the stand-up against uh horth you know c- congratulations to her that was a big time win jerry good in getting the submission against wellington Terman. no one thought he'd get a submission win there that was great and then the comeback by hadolfo Bellato. he was in trouble Ihor Poher had him in trouble. He just hung in there, and he got the win. That was a big one too. Great fights, yeah. yeah. Good, good. It was a very good card. It's very, it's uh, not very often that a card that's stacked like this lives up to its potential. And then on top of it too, with the Jalen Turner thing, the Bobby Green and and Sarukian drama throughout the week, there was news that kind of kept you really kind of interested in it. And they ended up performing and putting on a great show. Yep. All right, before we move on, though, go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. Make sure you guys subscribe to us over there. It is free. Okay, we don't charge you guys to subscribe to us over there. I'm going to be actually 
be logging my whole experience with the CPI. So if some of you guys are interested in getting stem cells done, check me out over there. I'm going to be vlogging all of my content on there uh, over at theonlyfans.com slash Wayne in. Who knows? I've heard there's going to be a couple other guys there. So we'll be chatting with them. Hopefully we'll see some other fighters there. And, uh, you know, who knows? We maybe ask you guys. You guys can reach out, ask questions, and uh, we'll talk about it. All right, guys. So um, follow us on onlyfans.com slash Wayne in. John, what do you got? I got a little shade. I got some some sunshine now coming through. You're looking good, baby. You just stay in, stay in there. The sun's always shining. Right that's the best I've ever looked, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, look at we had uh, BKFC. I want to say it was 56 from Utah. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest show they've ever had. And boy, they put on a, a couple of great fights. I enjoy. I actually, you know, you know, people are like, you know, do you actually buy that? I, yes. I paid for the pay per view. I enjoyed the hell out of the fights. You know, especially coming off of the UFC, which had just incredible fights throughout. It was like, man, it's going to be hard. And it just continued on. There were great fights throughout this and there was some great matchups, but you got to get to the, the one that was the, uh, the, what the, the king of violence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Just laughing at that one. But Mike Perry taking on Eddie Alvarez and, Man, I'll tell you what, that first round was awesome. Mm-hmm. They went out there. Mike Perry is not sometimes the smartest fighter because he went straight ahead at him. And you're looking, you're going, what are you? He was getting Yeah, hit. he was. And I mean, he dude, he was getting jacked with some freaking bombs. And it you could tell they hurt. Yeah. You could tell that they they affected him because he got stiff legged. And then he just got that charge, came right back. He fought much smarter in the second round, and he started landing his own shots and getting through. I thought Eddie Alvarez had a very good game plan. It was, hey, I want to come in. I want to land my shots. I want to circle out make him miss. I don't want to go head-to-head with him. He really didn't in the first round, and he was super successful in that first round. And the second round, he ended up going head-to-head with him, and that was the difference in it. That was where Eddie made the mistake of he just got caught into that. I got to bite down and throw to get out of this. And he bit down and threw too much instead of moving his feet to let his feet get him out of the danger instead of his hands. And, you know, like when you people don't understand when you get hit like he did and it it broke his orbital. There's no doubt that his orbital's broken. You could tell by the swelling and the way it's swollen. But a lot of times when that happens, you lose the vision in your eye. You can't see. And so, you know, it's not just the swelling. It's what happens to the, the muscle in the eye itself. Sometimes the, the muscle will get caught in the break, and it will actually pull and make it to where you can't get your eye to focus on anything. I think he was in that position where he knew, hey, I can't see out of my eye, and I don't want to go out and face that guy for a third round knowing that I can't see out of one side. It's not even so much, John, there's a lot of things that go through your life, that go through your mind, um, living your life without one eye. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, like, and I, everyone I've talked to with the, every, a lot of doctors I've talked to also, I've never had a broken orbital, but I've had friends that have had them, plenty of them have had it. And they've said like, yep. there's like you just explained, there's that break in the orbital and then the eye starts to droop inside it. Now you're seeing triple vision. Sometimes you, sometimes you can't see anything at all. Sometimes it's just a big blur. Um, there's also a lot of, there's also, we also understand the significance of if you do break it too much and you let that eye droop into there too long, it could affect your vision for the rest of your life. 
And so those are just look. We're in this. It's a sport. This is a, this. I don't want to say we play. We don't play fighting. They're they're in it to make money. Yeah, we're, we're in this to make money. I'm not in this for for the rest of my life to be fucked up because you're gonna we're gonna deal with the yeah. physical damages for the rest of our life. Our knees, our elbows, yeah. our hands, our necks. All of that stuff's gonna be damaged. I'm going to I'm going to do stem cells for a reason. Not because I live the healthy lifestyle. You know, in terms of physically. You know, I, I've done. I beat my body up to the point where I need to go do this. With this right here, this going through Eddie Alvarez's mind, he got very emotional talking about his wife and the press con- on the post press conference talking about, hey, when people stop, gotta stop giving her a hard time when she screams, she cares. And I mean, I almost like almost started getting a little teary eyed for him too, man, because it's true. Yeah. We say it. I was like, yeah, if you ever want to hear it, man, if you'll know it's Eddie fighting when Eddie's, you know, you'll hear some a, a female screaming in the crowd. That's oh, that's yeah. someone they've got four kids together. That's a wife that loves her her husband, and he loves her. It's an absolute. It's amazing, man. She's ride. She's ride or die with him, and he's the same back with her, and that's the way it should be, you know. And they've been together a long time, but you know the 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 big thing on this fight that you got to look at. You know, a lot of people are going to bring up. Well, Michael Bisping, you know, fought with one eye, and, and Michael did, and he's a stud. But understand when Michael had his eye damaged, that was the end of the fight when you're in the middle of the fight and you, and you lose vision in an eye, now all of a sudden your depth perception also leaves. And when your depth perception leaves, it becomes a real problem for you to be able to actually understand the distance that you need to be at to land your shots. And it it just, everything starts to roll downhill. So I thought Mark Henry being the corner man for uh, Eddie Alvarez, you know, he was the one that made the call. He's the one that said, you can't see it. You're right. This fight's over. And good call by Mark Henry. Great job of taking care of your guy. You knew it was not going to get any better based upon the fact that he's not seeing out of that eye. Mark Henry, that's why you're one of the best trainers out there. Great job of stopping the fight. I love that. Yeah, you got to look out for the fighter. Safety is the most important thing. And and um, Mark Henry is a fantastic human being, but also a fantastic yes. coach. Uh, pe- people yep, overlook, absolutely. I think when we talk about coaching, we talk about coaches in general. Oh, you know, um, what kind of what kind of coach are they? No, no, what kind of human being are they? Because they have to be a good human to take into consideration what their fighter may be going through at that moment. Also, two lifelong injuries that they're going to end up to have to suffer through for the rest of their life. He took that into account. I think he did a good job. Great job. Yeah, he made he made the call. It's over. That, that's I, I, look, that's what you I need. Look at the guys that he that he coaches. Guys that I I know Eddie being one of them, Frankie Edgar being another. I know he's trained Al Joe and some other guys, but those two guys between Eddie and Frankie, man, they speak volumes about him. They speak so highly of him. He's such a nice person, such a great guy, family man, and just does a great job with his fighters, hands down. Yep, I agree. We had another championship fight. It was for the flyweight, the women. You had Ferreira against Beck Rawlings, and Ferreira is just – she. She's kind of like a Mike Perry. When you look at, look, at she fought MMA. Beck Rollins fought MMA. But Ferreira has proven that this is her sport. Mm-hmm. She does it. You know, when she was in MMA, the ground was her nemesis. And it really caused her problems. People would take her down and then she got submitted. <laughs> Not to worry about that in BKFC. And look, she will stand and bang and throw her hands and take shots and just keep on coming. And I thought Beck Rollins actually fought a great fight. Yeah. 
She tried to be very technical. She threw good combinations. It was just the firepower as far as she was, she was, you know, you know, out there throwing with, you know, two, two, three rounds while 50 calibers were coming yeah. back at times. And she could only take so many of those. It ended up going to a decision, but it was clear that Ferrer was the one that was winning the rounds. But I thought Beck Rollins actually, I couldn't ask her to do anything yep. more. I couldn't ask her for more effort. I couldn't ask for, hey, you know, you, you kind of gave it. She was trying the entire time. It's just that one fighter has just got more power. And so when they got that more power and they're landing those shots, it's tough to deal with and continually figure out a new way to go after it. But I thought it was a great fight. Have you seen – did you see this or is it just me? I've noticed that the, the females, they fight better in bare knuckle than the males. And what I mean by it is utilizing the rules to their advantage, like the clinching, yeah. the uppercuts – the, the, the over-unders, but then also making space. Beautifully done. They do a better job at it than the males do. The males have yeah. this. Amazing. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. They listen. That, that, that might be true. Yeah. That that's definitely might be true. Yeah. Uh, it was it was something that um, it really, if you look at that fight and you look at the Eddie Alvarez fight, what you have is you have males that want to look like Floyd Mayweather. And I'm not saying that they, they didn't fight a great fight. They fought a fantastic fight The males did. You know, and uh, Eddie and, and Perry. But they we have, males have this thing where we got to stick and move and ah, throw the hook. And, you know, it's got to land clean. It's got to be the box. In our mind, we have we have this thing that we're Floyd Mayweather, Rocky Marciano or whatever, Rocky Bell, but whatever it is. <laughs> we have in our mind, that's what we look like. But the females went out there and they fought to the rules that give them the advantage. Front headlocks, elbows, not elbows, but uh, punches in the clinch, uppercuts, dirty boxing. They fought their asses off. I said, I could watch this fight three or four more times. Give me, give yeah. me this same fight again. Give them a couple months off. Let me see the fight again. It was a yeah. great. We'll go for a third one. Yeah, it was a great fight. It was a great fight. So. Yeah, it was. I thought both both put out great. And Ferreira has established herself. She's the queen of bare knuckle mm -hmm. right now. And it's going to take, take a good fighter to get her out of there because she's getting better with it. Like you said, using the rule set that she can use to do damage. So Beck, good. Beck did a good job, John, of making uh, for her a miss and then stepping offline and countering with some good shots off of that. She did a great yeah. job. And then as she started getting tired, though, those angles started going away. And then they started getting reliant on the clinch. And the clinch, she was doing good in the clinch. But for her, it was a little bit better in the clinch. The harder shots were landed in that clinching area. And just... I think the physical strength was a little bit more for for her. Also, it just she. I thought it was, but like I said, John, I thought it was a fantastic fight. Yeah, we had uh, Stewart against Davis. This was really the you know the the quintessential. Stewart comes from a wrestling background. He's a wrestler who has become good at 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 bare knuckle, and he uses his wrestling as far as how to get inside to do damage. He uses it instead of a takedown. He uses the same step patterns that he would to get the takedown, to get inside, throw his shots, get a single collar tie, throw some more, you know, heavy shots inside uppercuts against a guy who is a fluid boxer in Davis. And it proved that, look, I don't care how good you are at boxing. Bare knuckles is a different yeah. style and you've got to be able to fight inside in the clinch and understand how to either get away from it or do damage there yourself. Because if you're, in a position where your opponent can come in, do damage and get out and you're not inflicting damage. 
it's going to be a long, hard night. For you me. have to have had most wrestlers. You have to have had some sort of fight on the wrestling mat. Okay. Oh, and you've had to have some sort on. of fight in the playground. Like if you're going to make this transition to bare knuckle, look, you can be a smooth boxer. And I'm a, I'll tell, there's this kid I fought when I was young. Uh, it was, I was in high school and the kid was a golden gloves boxer. He was like a two time golden gloves champ, all this, you know, but the golden gloves are champions are around every corner. So, but it was, and I had, I obviously had some wrestling, but this was my sophomore, it was my sophomore year. Kid comes to my house. Everyone thinks I should be afraid of him. One double leg, one takedown, some dirty boxing on the ground, some ground and pound, all that. The fight was over. You have to have that grittiness of in like fighting on the school, school grounds. You know, not all, not all clean, crisp boxers have that, John. They, they grew up, some of them grew up in the gym. Someone grew up hitting the bag, hitting mitts, looking looking pretty, you know, like uh, like Floyd. You know, but in, in a real fight, it doesn't translate. And this bare knuckle fighting, bare knuckle boxing, has kind of gives me a little bit of a heart on John. It's kind of fun to watch. It's so <laughs> different from what we've been doing for you know for me what I've been doing for the last twenty years, the wrestling, the grappling, the kickboxing, all those things. It's so different, but it's fun. All that stuff that it, all the kickboxing out the windows with this, but the wrestling is super important because the wrestling itself puts you in a position to do damage on the inside, hold that position. And that's what we saw. And that's why Stewart, he got a win against a guy who technically in the standup is way better than him, but is not as good in the bare knuckle because of the toughness of getting inside and the ability to do damage in there. Stewart comes away, maintains his championship. He now has defended it. They say, once you defend your title, now you're the real champion, and that's what he did. Adams against Terrell, heavyweight championship fight. <coughs> Excuse me, was a great fight. Adams got tired. And part of it was, you know, they were talking about, oh, he's talked about how good a shape he was in and all that stuff. But Adams, that Utah elevation got to him, and you could see it. He just ended up. Just wilting under, you know, the ability to not breathe, and Terrell just kept putting on him. New champion in Terrell. That's Adams at one time was a champion. I know that the belt was vacant, so Terrell takes that title. I want to talk about Jeremy Stevens versus Jimmy Rivera, though. Look, Jeremy Stevens looked good in there. Josh, he looked really good. He looked composed. He looked comfortable. He was throwing clean combinations. He's able to wrestle. He's able because Jimmy Rivera is the better wrestler. But in this, when Jimmy would come inside, Jeremy was able to stop a lot of what Jimmy was wanted to do and brought the uppercuts in, landed the beautiful right hands, cut him open, and that's what ended up stopping the fight. But Jeremy Stevens, this might be his third career because look at he had the MMA career. He kind of went to boxing for a little bit there, but this he looks good at this. Jeremy Stevens was fast he was sharp and he obviously has had a couple of street fights in his life <laughs> <laughs> he i feel like he is a smaller version of mike perry he is somebody that this, yes. this, this style of fighting is perfect for him i mean i, I, gotta, I, I gotta keep giving bkfc some love because this to me john it's a new sport that like, they don't have to worry about competing with the ufc they don't have to worry about competing with boxing it's a different sport that can get people's attention, and it's got my attention. I really enjoy like two-minute rounds. 
they, they, they get through it. They're, say, go ahead, go ahead and say it. Brilliant. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. They fight extremely fast. They get their minute break. They come back out and they get it again. I mean, I don't know. It's just this fight. I think Jeremy Stevens. I think you're right. Is tailor made for this sport. This is his third career. I think he'll be successful here. The problem they're going to have is fighting guys that will fight him. I think they're going to have. Yeah. They're going to have. To, they're going to have a hard time fighting guys that will. Like Mike Perry said, I need guys that have name value. I can't just be the one doing all the promoting myself. That's what Mike Perry said. No, yeah. I need. I need. Well, he's right. I need guys with followers. I need guys that have. They can build. Help me build this fight because I can't just keep doing it myself. I'm not going to go anywhere. I need more. And Jeremy Stevens is going to be in that position, I believe. Also. Yeah, I agree. Same thing. All right. So off of that. You want it? We uh, we had we did have two other fights. We had Moa against Bercier and Jones against Lozano. Lozano again, again, Jones and Lozano, both MMA fighters. Lozano has found his place. He just tracks people down and big shots. Moa coming as an NFL ex NFL player, he actually looks good in the stand up. He's just a question of someone getting into it. He's got a super long reach. How's he going to do when he faces someone like a Terrell that's got a good clinch game? Also, might be a little bit different. But we're gonna find out. It takes time. It takes time. All these things take time. Dave, is Dave still around? <clears throat> yeah, Dave is still, still around. Dave, somewhere. what do you got for us? I'm still Give here. us some news. I know I've been dropping off and coming back, dropping off mm. and coming back. It's all good. Yeah, um, of course, need to get your reaction to Dana White being asked at the post-fight press conference um, about the Bellator PFL purchase. He kind of just said, like, you know, I've already talked about this, but he did say he did like kind of come back, and the question is like. He says, it's fucking hilarious. Good for them. I wish them all the luck in the world. I've covered this one. Um, one shit organization that sells no tickets and nobody watches buys another shit organization that sells no tickets and nobody watches. Sounds like a fucking winner to me. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Look at I love it. <laughs> I love that he had to get uh, his little pro wrestling thing in there. Um, <clears throat> That's awesome. Um. Look, one organization, the PFL, they, they weren't known for selling a lot of tickets. They weren't known for being out in big arenas. Um, they didn't do bigger, bigger arenas. Uh, Bellator had done bigger arenas and it had sold, it had done some sell, it sold out some bigger arenas. But that being said, um, Dana, I, I don't think none of this stuff, I think, bothers him just yet. Like until you, and I've said this before, until you, until you can start showing that you're making a profit and you're headed in that profit direction, I don't think that Dana is bothered by it because they, he's been through it with, with the Fertitas. I think he's like, look, I know exactly that it took us this amount of time and this millions and millions of dollars to, to make our money, to start making our money back. And so, and even when you start making your money back, it's not a guarantee you'll continue making your money back. I mean, at the end, those, the, you, your fan, your fans are kind of fair weather fans. Because, look, they liked you for that one show, but you see how fast the UFC fans turn on them when they have a shitty card. They're like, yeah, this fucking card sucks. These guys suck. Dana White doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. What do you think is going to happen to other promotions? It's been the same way for, you know, when I was part of Strike Force. It's been the same way when I uh, part of Bellator. Didn't matter what organization it was. People always have something to say. I think until, until, they, um, until they've had some time to lay out what their game plan is until they have um, some time to actually show that it's working. I don't think that Dana, I don't think Dana cares. I don't, I, that, and that's fine. He shouldn't, he shouldn't care. I think he will, as they start making money, as they start making more waves, he will, he cared about strike force at the end. 
He cares. Oh, he cares. He cares. Stop. You think he, you think he cares now? Well, when he says it's fucking hilarious, good for them. He doesn't. Okay. He's saying good for them. Mm-hmm. And inside he's going, fuck them. Yeah. Okay. There, there's no good for, there's no good. There's for no them. good for Second. them. Second. Look at Dana. I have said it too many times. He's an unbelievable promoter. And everything that he said, he knows when he says something, he knows where it goes. Mm-hmm. And he knows what he's saying. And when he sits there, he says, once, you know, one organization sells no tickets and nobody watches, buys another. He's right about the fact that right now, PFL does not sell tickets, but they don't try to. That's not a big part of their thing. Their thing is about TV, mm-hmm. and it's all about what they've told all of their investors. Yeah. So right now, and, and look at Dana wasn't there to know, but at one time, the UFC was not about live events. They didn't give a shit how many people were there. It was all about pay-per-view. That's the way it came up. You know, butts in the seats, great. Well, whoever they are, that's fine. You, you know, we can sell tickets, but we don't. We don't even do anything for the experience of the people there. It's not like it is now. You know, if you go to the shows now, and Dave will, you know, can contest. He just went to the Austin show. It's a phenomenal presence while you're there. But he also, you know, he sits there. He talks about Bellator and selling seats. Bellator sold out a lot of buildings. Bellator did sell seats. Now the UFC all the time talks about oh, sold out, Dave. You were in Austin. Was it sold out? Definitely wasn't sold out, no. Okay, but they t- said it. They told everyone it's sold out. It's all bullshit, okay? And it's fine. That's what Dana, you know, he, that's his job. And his job is to put down anything that is not his. And did Don Davis and the PFL put a little bit of a wrench in what Dana would have liked to have done? Dana just signed... Michael Venom Page. Why did he sign Michael Venom Page, Josh? Did he sign him? Why? I, did he go through? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all, the, the fight's been announced. Uh, Why wait, did he sign? It's been announced? It yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it's coming up on the next. It's, he's fighting uh, Holland on uh, 297, I want to say it is. But are you going based off of that leak? Or are you going to actually? No, nah, I saw of... another thing. Okay. Okay. Someone someone put it out. Because Dana was but asked anyways. about it on Saturday. Sorry, he was asked about it, and he just basically avoided the question and said, do you have yeah, another of question for me? <laughs> so anyways, so look, why did he sign Michael Venom Page? That's a 35-year-old fighter. Why did he sign him? Because everyone out of the PFL and Bellator sucks. Why did he sign him? Because he knows that Bellator's got great fighters. And if the PFL did not sign or did not buy Bellator, you don't think that his roster would have gotten bigger? Oh, absolutely. Let's be honest. No, I- he would have been signing people and, and he would have gotten rid of, you know, some of the Dana White contender people and some of the older people that have been in the UFC that are still hanging around that you go, I don't even know why that person's still there, but okay. He would have been getting rid of all them and he would have signed a bunch. So Don Davis and the PFL put a little bit of a wrench in the business area of Dana White. You think he's happy? No, he's like, you fucks. But. It was the right thing for Don Davis to do because that's the way for Don Davis to grow his business. Yeah. It was the right move. And that's why Dana's saying, ah, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, wow, that was a nice rant. <laughs> this is true. No, I'm not, it's not a rant. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm saying both both are right. No, I agree with you. I, I don't think uh, you're right I, in terms of. Dana cares that he like, hey, I, I could have had a lot more of the top level fighters had this not happened. That oh, that, would have been great. For him. It, that's what the wrench in that that part he is a little bit concerned, not concerned about, but that does bother. Not him. concerned, but it's like it, it, do, it does it, irritate. It, it put a little bit, it put a little bit of caca on his birthday cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those of you guys that don't know what caca is, um, John will explain it. But um, 
Um, but no, it's uh, it's one of those scenarios where this was a perfect merging of the PFL and Bellator to make sure that look they solid that Don Davis solidifies being in that that co leader or the number two spot, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. Is you're right there now competing in terms of your level of of talent you just acquired. You can't tell me guys like. Amosov, Jason Jackson, Logan Storley, Shabli, Usman Nurmagomedov. I mean, these guys, they're dynamite. You know, you got Johnny Eblen, you got Patchy Mix, you got Rafael Stotts. That crew of fighters right there that I just listed off, like seven or eight of them, that are, I would say arguably they're probably in the top two or three in any organization, if not in the world. They're, they're in the world across the board. They are the top one, two, and three. I mean, I could say Patchy Mix is the best 135-pounder. I could say that Johnny Evans the best 185 pounder. I could say that um, you know Pettis, Sergio Pettis, and um, and, and Rafael Stotts are number number two and number three. I could say that right there and say, look, stylistically they match up well. Now we could do this. We've done this. I don't know how many times. I could take UFC fighters and they could beat all of the the Bellator top five. But I could also match them up to where the Bellator fighters beat all the the UFC top. Yeah, five. you could. That's I understand the way you, what you, said. you could take the the UFC fighters. And match him up against the best performers, and I can match him up to where I think the UFC is going to win every fight, or I could take it and switch it and put it to where I think I can get most of the Bellator fighters to get those wins. It, styles make fights, and it's about how you match people up and everything. But I look at everything that was done by Don Davis here, it was the right move for him to take his company and try to bring it to the next level. What is a CEO supposed to do? Exactly what he did. That's what it's, that's what they're supposed to do. You got to make those moves. And and when you sit there and you say, and what did it cost him? That's the part that I go, you know, I look and I go, genius. It really didn't cost mm-hmm. you a lot. As the as this goes on, and if your company becomes bigger and bigger, it's going to cost you more and more for it because. You have now another person that gets some of that. They're they're uh, they own stock in your company, but it, it did exactly what you want. You have money sitting there to to put on shows. It's the right way of doing it. You've got now a great roster of fighters, mm-hmm. and people are going to start seeing how good that roster is. It's the same as when the UFC picked up Strike Force. It was the roster of fighters, and look at what those fighters did amazing mm-hmm. what they did in the UFC and it's because that's how good they were and Bellator had some great fighters and so it's going to be an interesting they can take any of those fighters and intertwine them any way they want put them into the tournament put them into, into match fights put them into their pay-per-view shows it doesn't matter they've got good fighters to work with and that's the impressive part next one Dave all right let's look at this <clears throat> fight announcement we have here uh brandon Moreno, amir albazi uh co-main event five round co-main event uh and february 14th in mexico wow City. it says five rounds is a co-main huh that's freaking yep. awesome i tell you what that's a hell of a hell of a fight unless you're brandon Moreno and you're going I, you gotta go five rounds again i'm finally not the champion i gotta go five rounds again but that's uh like that that fight between Moreno and albazi albazi's gonna you know try to uh live off of his wrestling and stuff with it. He's going to try to be taking uh, Moreno down. Moreno is crafty. He's good with the takedown defense. He's good at setting things up. He's got power in his hands. I love this matchup, and this is exactly if you're looking at the flyweights, well, I've got to have you know people to put in there against Pantoja and stuff. 
Do I want to put Brandon Moreno right back? No, this is great. Let's see who's the best one between Albazi and Moreno, and then then we'll talk about championship fights. So I think it's a great matchup. Love it. All right, and then last one here. We'll wrap up on. Um, we have a um, one FC fight: Shinya Oke versus Sage Northcutt, and that's going to be uh, January twenty eighth. Yeah, that one I don't love as much, <laughs> and I'm sad I, I don't because look, Shinya Oke uh, has been a phenomenal fighter for a long time. Great, you know, submission game, all that stuff. He's getting older. Sage Northcutt is still still young, getting better all the time super fast and that's the big thing shinya was never super fast he was super controlling able to get people down and then use uh, an incredible submission game to get his wins but he's taken a lot of damage over the years and stuff and i look at this one as he has the ability to win the fight i'm not saying he doesn't he could you know take sages back and get the submission no doubt about it but i like shinya and i like uh you know, everything he's done in the sport, and I don't want to see him get crushed like, you know, we've seen other people get crushed. Sage Northcutt got put in against Cosmo in his first fight against one, and you look and you went, size-wise, what are you doing? You can't do that fight, but they did. And, you know, it took Sage out of fighting for a couple of years based upon his face getting broken. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just hope that Shinya is capable in this fight. He's getting older. He's getting slower. And Sage Northcutt is an athlete, super strong, super fast. It's going to be a tough fight for Shinya unless he gets it to the ground. Sweet. I'm going to wrap up on that one right there. All right. So let's go with everybody out there. It is getting colder. You need to get a hoodie. You need to get a beanie. You need to get something that says the Weighing In podcast on it. We've got all kinds of stuff. We've got Let's Get It On for you. We've got all kinds of heavier, lighter. Depends on what you want. You want a heavier hoodie? We've got really thick ones. We've got the lighter ones. It's all there for you. Go to weighingin.merch and we can get you a hat, a hoodie, a t-shirt, any of those things. Show us that you love us. Show us that support. I want to thank my man, Josh Thompson, for trying so hard to get back on here, but he just couldn't do it. Just didn't have the ability. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Thompson. And he couldn't get up. It's okay. For everyone out there, including my man, Podcast Dave, for putting up with all this and having to do all of this editing that he's now going to have to do. I love you, Dave. Good luck, and we will see you.